you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. And now, Move the Sticks with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Move the Sticks, presented by Castro Ledge. DJ Bucky back with you on the uh, launch of free agency today. Buck, how you doing, man? Man, I'm good. It's, it, it's crazy seeing the deals already come down, seeing how people are teams are beginning to position themselves for next season in spite of having a really, really tight limit on the salary cap. Yeah. In, uh, in talking to an agent last night, he brought up a great point. I think Peter King actually wrote a lot about it in his column. Just not only do you have the salary cap shrinking, um, but you have the expectation that it was going to expand. So the gap is really wider in terms of the teams, what they were budgeting. And you figure the the minimum salaries have risen. Um, so it's kind of, everything's just been squeezed down, which is going to be fascinating. I still think the big dogs are going to get paid and we'll see that by the time you're listening to this, uh, a bunch of these guys will probably already agreed to deals. The top, what do you think? 10, 15 guys, those guys won't see any difference. They're going to get top dollar, but it's that, that middle class is going to get big time squeezed. Well, yeah. I mean, any opportunity you have to squeeze those guys out, um, you will, you can hold it, you can hold it down. I think the teams who have significant cap space, I think if they're patient, they can scoop up a lot of really good players later in the process. We know the free agent frenzy is typically the first 72 hours, the first week. If they can wait, like teams to have significant cash space, like the Jags, the Jets, uh, the Patriots, if they can the wait past that, 
the Ghosts. If they can wait past that first week, I think you'll see them scoop up a lot of players at team-friendly deals because it'll give them a chance because everyone is going to panic. If you don't get paid in the first wave, now it's musical chairs and you're just trying to find a home. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, we'll have a bunch of free agency reaction coming up on on the next episode. On today's episode, I do want to bring up a great interview you guys look forward to. Buck had a chance to catch up with our buddy Trent Dilfer about all things quarterback. Um, he's known uh, – you've worked with him forever, Buck, on, with these high school quarterbacks. So great insight on this group coming up as well as uh, a chance to, to discuss some guys currently in the league. So that's a conversation that's coming up a little bit later on in the show. We do want to get a little reaction to what we saw from Trey Lance uh, at his pro day. But before we kind of switch gears to get to the college guys, I wanted to bring up a couple things on the NFL front. First of all, to kind of wrap up the free agency preview here, um, the, Kevin Zeitler already signed with the mm-hmm. Ravens. So he had been released. So he was free to sign. So the Ravens I think, used probably most of their cap space to bring him in. But it just brings up a good point to me that he is a like he is a gap scheme power guy, you know, tight puller, mauler. He fits what the Ravens do. And I think, man, fit is so important when you're getting ready to spend money in the free agent market. You know, DJ, some would say it's the number one thing in evaluation, uh, particularly in free agency, is understanding how your team plays, the scheme that you run, and which players are ideal fits. The mistakes that we typically see in free agency have to do with whether a player fits properly into the scheme or if he has a significant injury history and you ignore that and sign him and then he becomes an injured player for you. Um, I think Kevin Zeitler going to the Baltimore Ravens is, to me, the, the Baltimore Ravens doubling down on who they are and how they're going to play. Their biggest issues last year, I believe, in big games comes from their inability to control and dominate the line of scrimmage. When they're unable to dominate the game and get the game on their terms, then it exposes all of the things that we on the outside talk about their passing game and they're not really pass protectors up front. They don't necessarily have enough pass catchers and those things. So this, to me, the Ravens doubling down and saying, we're going to run the ball and we're going to run it on everybody. And now we have the firepower up front to be able to do so. Yeah, you think getting Ronnie Stanley back will be big. You know, Orlando Brown is on the trade market, so you know they won't have. Him okay, let's, can we talk? Like can we can we, can we can we talk about the Orlando Brown thing? Yes, like go the for Orlando it. Brown fascination with with wanting to be a left, left tackle versus a right and, tackle. And versus a right tackle, and I understand. Like he talked about it being his dream, and that's how he always sees himself. And he went to the Pro Bowl and those things. But Orlando Brown has to have enough awareness to look at team tape. When Ronnie Stanley is there and you're like, you know, the guy on the other side is a little better than me at this position. Like I should be comfortable just playing right tackle because he's not a pass protecting left tackle in that light. And so to me, I just think it's a laugh, a lack of self-awareness. And I believe the money now is so similar between right and left tackles that I don't think it makes that big of a difference what you're categorized as. I, I could go around the league and make the point, and we've done it for several years now, that those left-end pass rushers yes. have, have been better than the right-side right pass rushers. So you're actually having a more difficult assignment over there on the right side. I get it from the standpoint he's played left tackle his whole life, so he feels more comfortable there. You know, It's like being left-handed versus right-handed, so he just is more comfortable there. But he's played well at right tackle. He's been a really good right tackle, and you're going to have to play against the best of the best over there with the pass rushers. So you're going to be challenged every week. Your value – um, shouldn't really be any less uh, if you play that position well. So I, I'm with you, but to me, I guess it just comes down to, to comfort. I, I mean, I guess so. It is, it's, it's one of the more remarkable things. Um, 
self-awareness. You play with a good team. Obviously, you do to get big money. I understand that part of it, but I just can't understand it. And then I do wonder what teams are really in the in the bidding war for his services. Who? How is he really viewed? Because I don't view him as a premier or an elite left tackle. Yeah, and they play a different brand of football than the other 31 teams. So it's a little apples to oranges in terms of what he's asked to do. He does it very well, but it, you don't see as much traditional you know, pass set stuff no. there in Baltimore that you would other places. So that's going to be fascinating to see what happens there uh, with the Ravens. I, I do want to hit you on one other thing before we jump into the, uh, the Trey Lance Pro Day. Um, I tweeted this out, which a lot of people have said is the weirdest analogy of all time. Uh, that I came up with. And maybe it's just because we're up late at night, Buck, and then these mm-hmm. things kind of hit you. But I was thinking about Deshaun Watson and, you know, and we can get into the fact that whether you believe this could or, you know, couldn't happen with him getting traded. I'll get your thoughts on that. But when I look at the different hypotheticals and you've seen the Panthers mentioned, you see all these other teams that could get involved in that, the Bears, whoever. I only see two teams that are like a match, you know, in terms of what they can offer. And that is the the Jets and the Dolphins. And that's because of the number two or number three overall pick. The, the value of those picks is so much greater than the other picks. Even if you're just picking number eight, the difference mm-hmm. between eight and two, look at the trade chart and look what it costs to go from eight to two. So when we've talked about what would it take to get Deshaun Watson and you hear people say four five ones, well, that first, that second or third overall pick is worth multiple ones. So when you count that, because you can easily turn that into something else. So my analogy, Buck, that I used was, why would you go buy a puppy when you could buy a pregnant dog? <laughs> so it's a weird analogy, but it. But do you see what I'm saying? Like I can take, I got, I only got one puppy. I can take this pregnant dog and turn it into a litter. I get a litter of puppies. It's I mean, people have accused me of offering the weirdest uh, draft I mean, trade that is, that is, of all time. But do you get what I'm saying? I, I do, but I need you need more sleep because if you're thinking about puppies and litters and and all those <laughs> things, like you, yeah, you need more. Yeah, you need you need more sleep. But I understand in terms of you want to basically slice this off where you can bring about more players, more, more, more people that can impact the franchise. And so if you have Deshaun Watson, who is a crown jewel for sure, if you're the Houston Texans, but trade them off and you talk about getting a litter of puppies is great. The only thing that I'll say about all of this is one thing to bring about picks. It's another thing to turn those picks into players. And we've seen traditionally in the past, when we go back and look at all the picks that the Cleveland Browns got, for the Carson Wentz deal or, or like you weren't able to parlay those into great players. And so I don't know, it's hard. You go back to the RG three Ram situation, still had a tough time parlaying the extra picks into players. I think it's a much harder deal. I think it looks great on the outside to say, Hey man, we got a bushel barrel full of picks and we're going to turn all these picks into players. I think it's something that's hard to do. I believe the only team that I've seen, do a really good job of having like multiple first round picks in one round. Might have been the Jets that year. They had four first rounders. Pennington and, Sean Pennington Ellis. and Sean Ellis and Anthony Beck, John Avery. Yeah, they John turned Avery. those into, into players and they were foundational pieces. Really, really hard to do when you go back and look at it going forward. You know, other one, the other one I'm thinking of, teams with multiple ones, I want to say that the Saints got Lattimore and Ramchek in the same, in the yes. same draft that one year. That's a pretty mm-hmm. good. Uh, pretty good haul. Double right there. It's really, it's really hard though. It's hard. Yeah. It's a hard deal. But I mean, like to me, with the second or third pick, you can get the quarterback to replace mm-hmm. Deshaun, 
or again, you can turn it into a bunch of picks. But I, I just think it's I think sometimes we lump all these picks in a box and say, okay, this team's offering me three first round picks, but this team's offering me four first round picks. But not all first round picks are the same now. No, I mean, let, let's go all the way back. Speaking of the Carson Wentz deal, I think uh, Howie Roseman gave us a blueprint for how to maneuver around and how to take picks, auction them off, get another pick, auction that off to put yourself in a position to get eventually what you want. It is about kind of manipulating the board and understanding the currency that comes about when you have enough draft capital. That's why you're proposing getting a, a, a pregnant puppy with a litter and <laughs> all kinds of other stuff that comes with it. Yeah, I, I uh I got a lot of I got a lot of blowback on my pregnant pregnant I mean, dog thing. I thought it was a good analogy, Buck. I thought it made sense. I mean, you better be careful with the dog activists coming after you talking about puppies and litters. Oh, and all yeah. other stuff. oh I didn't even think about that. Yeah. yeah. Bob yeah. Barker would not be happy. Yes, he would not be happy. You would not yeah. make the showcase show that I did not even think about Bob Barker. I've got to use uh, Bob Barker as my North Star when it comes to draft analogies now. Yeah, Mark 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 put in the chat here. It's not necessarily the truck versus trailer analogy that's served us well over all these years. It's, it came up a little short on that one but uh, whatever i'll I'll, st- I'll steer clear of animal analogies uh trey lance pro day what do you think look i mean I, I think he's everything that we believe him to be and i you know in a way if we could advise trey lance if he hadn't have played the one game this year yeah what would we be saying about trey lance how differently would we view him in the evaluation that gave maybe the nitpickers the naysayers the doubters a reason to go after him and his game. Because if you look at 2019, not that he was flawless, but DJ, we had a conversation over the summer about him maybe being in a conversation to be number one. It was the big three, Trey Mm -hmm. Lance, Justin Fields, and Trevor Lawrence, and who was going to duke it out to be the number one. We loved him for what he was able to do on that big stage at North Dakota State. And now I think it's even better. When you look at North Dakota State without him this year, They're one oh, one, right? With a close yeah. win. Yeah, it's it's a huge difference. And so maybe that Central Arkansas game was a preview on what he didn't have around him and how he had to play. But I think the guy is really talented. I think the athleticism, the arm talent, you see it. I think having the physical picture, the visual, man, he's a rocked up dude. He looks like what they should look like when we talk about quarterbacks in today's game. Big, physical, you saw the arm talent, well-conditioned. The, the 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 fitness level was not a problem in terms of the pace and rhythm that they were operating at. And you saw him deliver the ball, he layered it or whatever. He is going to have some misfires. That is a part of yeah. who he is. He's going to short hop some. He's going to miss to the right on the deep ball. Those are part of the deal. But he is more than going to make up for it with the athleticism and the running skills that he brings to the table. And I think you just have to understand it. He's like a home run hitter that's going to have a high volume of strikeouts. But when he puts his bat on it, he's going to knock it out of the park. Trey Lance is going to be a special player in the league. Yeah, and I was thinking of the pitcher analogy because to me it's just like he has so much horsepower, like so mm-hmm. much juice. So he's like the guy that's throwing triple digits who's going to strike out 12 guys, but he might walk three or four. Like He's going to walk some. some misses. He's going to be outside the strike zone on occasion. But the thing about him that I think is so – you know, which which helps me to kind of push my chips in a little bit and say, I really I believe in this kid is the fact that while he's developing as a passer and trying to continue to improve there, 
I've got somebody that can control my run game at the line of scrimmage, mm-hmm. which he's done, you know, with the responsibility he has in terms of mics and directing fronts and checking plays. He can do all that stuff. But then I can use him on the design quarterback run. So he's going to be early in his career, the first couple of years, he's going to be an 8 to 10 to 11 to 12 carry guy. You know, like you're going to be able to incorporate him to be able to make up for some of those misses. Um, you're going to be able to use his legs. So, in other words, instead of sitting back in the cockpit on third and four and trying to be precise and, and squeeze the ball in on on an option route, you can take off and go. I mean, I can call zone read with him if I want. You know, it's funny, um, going back, because I had to write a thing on Carson Wentz a couple of weeks ago and why it would work out in Indianapolis. And when I went back and I studied Carson Wentz at North Dakota State, I noticed that his pitch count in North Dakota State varied between 22 to 29 throws a game. Yeah. And so we've heard some people on the outside talk about Trey Lance, like, hey, he he doesn't have a high volume of throws and those things. And I think it's really important that you understand that's not his game. If you take Trey Lance and you put him in an offense and think that he's going to throw it 40 times, you're asking him to do something that he's never really done, something that he's probably uncomfortable doing because it's out of his is out of his box. What Trey Lance is what you said. He is an eight to 10 carry per game to go with. 20 to 25 throws and managing the offense. If you run the offense like that, where it's really a a team deal, which is why we talk about the Shanahan system or some of these other systems that are more run centric, other weapons are involved. That is how he plays. But if you think you're going to take Trey Lance and put him into air raid, you you miss, you're not utilizing what he does really well. You're not putting him in a position to really play to his talents. Yeah, I can come up with, four fits that I really like with him. And to me, it starts with Atlanta all the way up there at number mm-hmm. four. And because first of all, you don't have to play him right away. You know, you yeah. can let him sit behind Matt Ryan. I think that mm-hmm. makes a lot of sense there. Uh, Arthur Smith, we've discussed that mm-hmm. before coming from Tennessee. He he wants to be a little bit more committed to the run game. Trey Lance helps you accomplish that. Um, so he makes sense there. Uh, I think you look at Carolina, who we've talked about a lot. Now, mm-hmm. is he going to play the game the way that, you know, Joe Brady's been around Drew Brees, he's been around Joe Burrow. He's not going to play that style, but I think Joe Brady's creative enough that he would know how to use him. And I think he fits kind of into the overall philosophy of Matt Rule, just how he wants to be mm-hmm. a physical, tough athletic he fits all those things and then i would say um you've got uh the other two would be san francisco at 12 and new england at at 15 i think all four of those teams make a lot of sense yeah interesting that you bring up i would say all four teams make a lot of sense atlanta because arthur smith i believe you could use trey lance just like you use ryan Tannehill. i think it makes sense the carolina panther thing and i think it's important to bring this up about joe brady joe brady worked at the knee of joe moorhead when Joe Moorhead was at Penn State, mm-hmm. Joe Moorhead is an RPO master. That's yep. what they did. That's what they did at Penn State when they had that run with Trace McSorley and Saquon and those guys. He did it at Mississippi State, and then he's doing it at Oregon now. I think that would be – I think he has that in his playbook that he could go to the RPO game to help Trey Lance get off. San Francisco and New England. San Francisco makes sense because the Shanahan system is a natural fit. You would give Kyle Shanahan the opportunity to not only do what he's always done, but to also dig back in the crates and pull out some of the RG3 stuff that he did with the Washington football team. And then New England. New England, to me, really would make tremendous sense because now you have Cam Newton and Trey Lance. And it's the opportunity to completely rebuild the offense and the way they go about doing it. It's We have a mobile quarterback. This is our new Patriots offense with a mobile quarterback. It's taking the offense into the new era 
of quarterback. And so I like all of those fits, and I would expect Trey Lance to get a lot of interest from those teams. Yeah, uh, it's it's going to be fun to watch how the, the quarterback carousel uh, kicks off here. We'll see. I think uh, Deshaun Watson's kind of the domino. You've got Russell Wilson out there. If both those guys end up going back, eh, we're going to have a fun offseason. But, you know, we'll, I think we'll kind of be able to predict a lot of what's going to take place. Man, if, if one or both of those guys end up getting traded, Buck, get ready for some chaos, man. Oh, uh, it's going bananas. I am I'm so ready to see how this goes about. And it's funny because – DJ, we've talked about it. I believe as the general manager position has skewed younger, where more of the guys we grew up with have kind of jumped into these seats. More like baseball Uh, now. It's more like baseball. It's more like fantasy football and baseball where you make deals, you make moves to make sure that you go and get get it done. And so it's just important that we continue to look at this stuff and see how are teams putting the pieces of the puzzle together because, man, it's a fascinating watch. Well, can I get – we're not going to say who it is because it's – who knows if it will happen, and I was sworn to secrecy on this. But I, I did send you a text of a trade that there's a rumor mm-hmm. going around that could go down. Can I just get your your uh, reaction of if this thing does happen? Just just a couple words, what your reaction would be to this thing. Wow. Surprise. Positional value. Okay. There you go. We'll see what happens. We'll see if that happens. We'll we'll lay that out on the next episode if it doesn't happen. Uh, we'll see. It's going to be fun, though. I hope we do get some trades. It makes the offseason fun. Uh, speaking of fun, uh, Buck had a chance to catch up with our buddy Trent Dilfer uh, to talk all things quarterback. Trent has been uh, running the show there at the Elite 11. Uh, Buck's been working with him for a long time on that, seeing the best high school quarterbacks year after year. Uh, Trent also spent some time uh, training Tua Tagovailoa last year to get him ready for the draft so he offers great insight and uh, we love when we get a chance to catch up with him so here's Bucky's conversation with Super Bowl winning quarterback Trent Dilfer joining the move the six podcast one of my best buddies head coach of Lipscomb Academy also the head coach of the Elite 11 quarterback camp like Trent you have so many job titles I can't get them all into the (laughs) intro how you doing my man (laughs) I'm doing great Buck yourself (laughs) I'm doing well. I mean, obviously, this is a fun time for us because I feel like we get a chance to see these young quarterbacks grow up in front of our eyes. And so what I would like to do is go back to 2017, two of the top guys that came through the process, Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields. Let's start with Trevor Lawrence. When you first laid eyes on Trevor Lawrence, what did you think? I think he was a sophomore or freshman in high school. I can't remember. Uh, and I, I just said, wow. I mean, here was a kid that already was mature beyond his years. Uh, obviously, was a great athlete, but was also pretty clean. You know, had been coached very well uh, in Georgia by Joey King. Uh, had developed well. Had uh, played good people. Played a lot of seven-on-seven. And already had played a lot of football at the varsity level. So, uh, he, he looked like a man even when he was 15, 16 years old. And as he went through the Elite 11 process, he only grew bigger and stronger and more powerful and honed his craft. And But the thing I always, the story I always tell about Trevor isn't the physical stuff. It's the mental stuff. It's the competitive stuff. I, I remember at the opening uh, the year he was there, uh, he, he was a sponge with Craig Knoll, one of our coaches who played seven years in the NFL and you know, was bugging him late at night, going into his room after hours and asked him to teach him more ball. This is a kid that loves football. He loves to learn. He has zero entitlement to him. He has no ego. Uh, he's a team above self guy. So he checks every single box there is to check. 
as a prospect, and he was checking it back when he was 17 years old. I mean, I remember seeing, watching him at the opening, saying this guy could go to an NFL training camp right now uh, and throw one-on-one, throw routes on air, and look like an NFL quarterback. You know, it's funny that you, you talk about that. I, I distinctly remember that it got tough for him a little bit at, a, at the opening mm-hmm. um, in the mm-hmm. finals. What did you discover in watching him go through some adversity uh, as a young person? Well, that's the biggest thing I look for, to be quite honest with you. I base a lot of my evaluations off how they respond to setbacks. Uh, We look at it in-game with an acronym, PACE, plays after critical players, uh, study that really hard. Uh, And then in that environment, a camp environment or in a high school football game environment, a practice environment, off the field, a guy can, you know, be a knucklehead off the field and how does he respond to that after the fact. So uh, I think it's, I think that metric or or that uh, evaluation has a lot to do with their long-term success because you're going to have a lot of setbacks. You're going to have a lot of adversity uh, and it's, it's not what happened to you. It's how you respond to it. And then Trevor's a guy that whether it was the opening, whether it was not winning the final game of his high school career, whether it was a setback at Clemson, he's always been a guy that bounces back better the next opportunity. And that's really what you're looking for. I mean, Tom Brady's thrown a lot of interceptions. He's lost a lot of games. He's had a lot of stinkers. He's had a lot of bad series. I think what separates him is that relentless pursuit of the next opportunity. Uh, And that's why he's been at his best for 21 years in those situations. You know, it's funny because you talk about um, Trevor. Trevor wins a national title very early in his career, and then he gets Clemson back, but he, he loses in the semifinals and then loses in the finals um, during those two years. In watching him as a college player, what are the things that you're most impressed with, and what are you things that he has to continue to work on to be the player that we all think that he can be at the next level? Well, we'll start with what he needs to improve on, and it's been something he's been working on since high school, but just recently in the last couple of months, he's really identified it with Jordan Palmer. I spoke to Jordan a couple of weeks ago, uh, and the things that Trevor came in wanting to work on are the same things that myself and Jordan and others kind of identified. He's got to become more flexible in his upper torso. So he has very poor thoracic flexibility. Therefore, he doesn't rotate as a thrower. He goes distal and forward as a thrower. So he tends to be wide and spread out at times. Um, that leads to some of the inconsistencies. Uh, I think he addressed that already. Uh, he wants to play with a more stable base. Uh, he wants to stay more level. Uh, so fundamental stuff, fundamental stuff that will lead to more consistency. And that's the only knock you can find on Trevor is that every once in a while a ball will get away from him when he's really trying to rip it or when he's rushed uh, because there's some slight tweaks he needs to make fundamentally. Uh, but that's really it. <clears throat> he has as good eyes for the game, uh, as good a presence in the pocket, uh, a feel for people around him, when to become Uh, when to attack the line of scrimmage as a runner and when to buy time with shuffles and slides in the pocket, how to retreat pocket. There's a great clip. I think it's against Notre Dame uh, in the, in the playoff game where they're running kind of a dive in fake a crossing route and then a high corner off of it. And he's getting pressured and 99.9% of quarterbacks would have not bought the time to make the throw and he goes backwards in the pocket because the defensive line, linemen are coming up on him and takes probably 60% off the ball and lays it out to a spot and they get 30 yards out of it. Uh, little nuances like that in this game. He's playing the professional level game uh, at the college level. 
he's a he's a horsepower twitch guy, and I, I kind of introduced this concept a couple years ago with Justin Herbert as a sophomore, and saying you know there's a guy coming up that has a rare combination of horsepower and twitch. Because typically, what she gives you, you guys mm-hmm. have horsepower. They're very powerful. They're strong. Uh, they have physical confidence. Think Ben Roethlisberger, Cam Newton, some of the giants of the game. Uh, but they lack some twitch. They lack that. Uh, and the next thing you know, they're gone or their eyes see it and it comes out of their hand. Uh, and then you see a littler guys at times, Johnny Manziel, uh, some of the smaller guys that they're so twitchy, but they lack power. Well, very rarely do you find the guys that have both. And, and Justin is maybe as good of a horsepower twitch guy as I've ever seen. Uh, Andrew Luck was really the first one, lacked a little twitch, but had it. I thought Herbert was another one that had it. Uh, and now you're looking at Lawrence, who's really the ultimate model horsepower and twitch. So uh, from a trait standpoint, that's what it is. And then, and then he has every throw in the catalog. Uh, we always talk about how big is your throw catalog. Uh, some guys are great at outbreaking routes. Some guys are good at target routes. Some guys throw a lot of crossing routes. Some guys throw some runaway, runaway routes, deep ball, quick game, RPO, catch and throw, whatever it is. He's got them all. The one thing about this offense is it's, I wouldn't call it a system, and at times it's lacking, but over his career, they have added volume to the catalog, and he's pretty much made every throw you're going to be asked to make in his college career. You know, it's funny because I believe these two guys have always been synonymous. You have Trevor Lawrence in one corner, Justin Fields in the other corner. What were your first thoughts when you saw Justin Fields for the first time? Uh, Rare, rare physical specimen. Uh, you know, his his size, his power output, uh, his speed. Uh, he's a true burner. Uh, and then a craftsman. Like, you don't. most of those guys are the butcher. They, uh, you know, they have a big machete and they chop up meat and they make you a pastrami sandwich. Like, they're not real precise. Uh, very rarely do you find these specimens that are also surgeons. Uh, they know how to handle the tiniest tool that can save your life. And he really approaches his craft with, a burning desire to get better. He's been working with Quince forever in Atlanta. Uh, he's he's always working on becoming more efficient as a passer. Uh, it show, really showed up uh, in the playoff game against Clemson. You saw the nuance to his game. Uh, he's a guy that uh, is can physically do everything, but doesn't rely on that all the time. So he's a passer as long as he can be a passer. And then he'll become an athlete. I think in the NFL with, you know, quarterback uh, design runs, uh, you don't use them a lot, but when you use them, you tend to see walk-in touchdowns by Russell Wilson or Aaron Rodgers or whoever it is. I think he can be a weapon that way. I don't think that's being talked enough about uh, with him as a, to separate him from some of the other guys. Uh, that's a huge advantage in the tight red, short yardage, and the game situation. I mean, how many one-score games you see in the NFL – where you're in a four-minute situation and it's third and four. And if you get the first down, you win the game. If you don't, you punt. you got to punt it to Aaron Rodgers, and he's got 58 seconds left in the game to beat you. Like, that's where these quarterback-driven runs are really hard to defend. I think Justin's a massive weapon in that. He's a tough guy. I think that's something that's not nearly – I've read through all these evaluations of these players, and everybody has a lot of good stuff to say. The one biggest thing that's in their evaluation is their toughness. Uh, this is a position mm-hmm. where you have to be a tough guy, uh, physically and mentally. And, and both Trevor and Justin are tough guys. And Justin's a, he's a tough man's tough guy. Uh, people will, t- will point to the playoff and say, oh, yeah, we saw him play injured. <clears throat> it's more than that. 
it's the mental uh, emotional resolve that he's shown through his high school years his college years what happened to him at georgia the transfer to ohio state the negative talk around him uh, all the different things that's happened in his in his life he is just he's developed a grit and a resolve and a toughness that i i will stamp it right now he'll be a wild success in the nfl because of that you know you talk about the toughness i think it goes hand in hands with being an outstanding leader what are some of the leadership qualities that you've seen him display well both of them i think you can speak the same way about trevor and justin as leaders uh they're they're bold they're willing to step out there in front uh and be a vocal voice and stand up for those that don't have a voice i mean look what trevor did for his team his city his state his country this year for college football uh, Trevor showed boldness in stepping out in front of the social justice issues. COVID, we want to play. He was a, he was a thought leader and a vocal leader uh, at every area. Justin's done the same thing on his teams. That you know, every team this year went through more heaviness as a team than any teams in our past. And both these guys stood above all of it and led their programs, led their institutions, many cases led their cities. Uh, the right direction. And that takes courage for a young man to do. There's a lot of 35, 40 year olds don't have that courage. And yet these two young men have it. You know, it's funny because um, with the Justin Fields evaluation, I feel like people are missing the it factor, the special qualities that he's displayed in high school and some of the times that we've been around him. When you look at him, do you see the it factor in Justin Fields in his game? Absolutely. Uh, he has... You know, the it factor, we did a whole show on it. It's very hard to quantify, but you feel it. Uh, it's very hard to write it down what it is, yet you see it. Uh, I, I think you have to be around the position a lot. I think you have to be around team dynamics a lot. You have to kind of know, you have to have some insider information uh, from his coaches, his teammates, uh, both at Georgia and Ohio State. Going back to high school, I think you need to have a little context uh, this is a kid that's always had the it. We spent a lot of time with him as a counselor this summer at Elite 11. Uh, we'll speak about Trey Lance. I'm sure we'll get to Trey. I would say he has the same type of qualities. They have that it quality where they make everybody around them better. Uh, there's a humility to them, even though they have every reason to be brash and, and arrogant. Uh, there's, a, there's a quality to them where they always want to learn, but yet they're confident. They don't doubt what they've learned already, but they want to learn more. Uh, there's a bunch of elements to this, but yeah, Justin has it, uh, in, he's got more of it than you need. And, uh, he's, he's an exciting prospect because the physical traits, the mental, emotional traits, and then let's call them the it traits, the it factor. You know, it's funny you bring up Trey Lance and, and there hasn't been enough conversation about him. Like you were around Trey a lot, particularly this summer. What have you learned from your interactions with Trey Lance? Yeah, I think one thing has happened in this process, and it, again, I'm not being critical. It's a natural flow of this pre-draft process is once Mac became a story, because Mac was a guy that wasn't even a draftable player last year. He was on anybody's board, and now he's being talked about being in a first-round pick. When that became kind of – it was going to be Trevor, Justin, and then Zach Wilson and Mac Jones all of a sudden become big conversations. Well, there's not enough time in the day to talk about the guy that I actually would put third, and that's Trey Lance. Now, I wouldn't put mm -hmm. him third to play right away. There is definitely a rep experience issue that the gap needs to be filled. If you draft this young man, he needs to play the majority of your preseason snaps this year and probably next year. 
you need a year one plan, probably not to put him on the field because he has limited reps. High school, he was not a high volume thrower. He ran kind of a version of the wing T. He's North Dakota State, uh, doesn't get a ton of starts over his career. Uh, so you got to build up that rep pattern. But if you want to talk about juice, personality, toughness, it, uh, start. I, I've had him in my office in, here in Nashville. I spent the summer with him uh, at the lead as a counselor. Here's a kid that had rain for the game. Those of you that don't know anything about North Dakota State offensive football, it's as complex as the NFL. Uh, they mm. play multiple personnel groupings, multiple shifts and motions, <clears throat> tons of run checks. Um, checks within run checks, reads, RPOs, uh, endless amounts of of information that he had to digest every week. He was a kid that went to all their coaches' meetings, so he acted as a coach even as a young player in college. He's a sponge. He's a break for the game, football junkie. So you add that with all the physical traits, and if you went back 15 years, old school evaluation, he could be the first pick of the draft because you drafted off stature, traits, and how smart they were. It was pretty that it was pretty much that simple. Uh, you would you would just chalk him up because he's as physically gifted as any of them. Uh, his stature's as big as any of them. He has the strongest arm of the group. Uh, and then I could add the context of he's as good a learner, as good as teammate, uh, as good as anybody in the draft. You know, here we go. Final thing, uh, Mac Jones, because we were around Mac Jones a little bit during the process. What do you know about Mac Jones? And the success, are you surprised by the success that he's been able to have his final season at Alabama? I'm really not. One, because, you know, I, I've always said this, quarterbacks is de as dependent of a position as any, as any position in sport. Yes, it's important. Yes, it's impactful. But it's also very dependent. So he has a lot of good players around him to help him look good. And I thought Sark did an incredible job of evolving the offense around his skill set allowed him to do more where he could throw the ball on time. He could play within the structure of the offense, and he could use his brain uh, to get advantageous matchups. And I think one of the great things about Alabama's offense this year was how how Mac Jones ran the show. He processed a lot of in small amounts of time. He was able to find their matchups that created the biggest advantages for him. Uh, he was highly precise as a thrower. He's got very good throwing talent. Uh, he where he lacks is the ability to play second reaction football. Uh, so if you're drafting him, you need to draft him to a situation where you're going to be more of an operator. You're going to operate the offense. You're going to have a lot of keys, to the line of scrimmage to get into the best plays. He's as good as athlete as Peyton Manning. He's as good as athlete as Tom Brady. Uh, he needs to play that style of offense. If he is, if that's your plan for him, then he's a first round pick because he has third first round uh, mental traits and throwing traits. But if you're going to ask him to do something that he can't do well, then you're making a, a mistake. So this is one of those drafts where the GM, head coach, coordinator all have to be simpatico on what you're going to ask him to do. Uh, if you put him in a New England style system, and now some of those coaches are everywhere, where they put in a mass, a massive amount of burden on the quarterback to learn everything about everybody. So not only do they have to know the quarterback position, they got to know all the offensive line, run game, and pass game. You have multiple calls for the same thing. You're, you're installing 50, 60 new things a week. If that's your system, I think Mac Jones is a great pick. But if you're in a system, Andy Reid, where you're going to expect your quarterback to buy some time and move around and be an artist and create and paint a picture in the middle of a play, 
terrible pick. He's probably not a top five round pick if that's what you're going to ask him to do. So, again, every year people want to have lists. And I wonder how many mock drafts you've done with more information coming out. <laughs> it's not about where they rank. It's about where they fit. There are certain players yes. that are transcendent type players. They can fit anywhere. Trevor, Justin, I was put. I would put as those two of those guys. I would go as far as putting Trey there, given the time to grow as a player. Not right away, given time. Uh, Zach, I'm not sure about. Honestly, haven't finished my grading out on Zach Wilson. I, I'm, I have some doubts there, but also see a lot of the stuff that everybody else sees. But Mac Jones is not a transcendent player. Kellen Mond's not a transcendent player. Sam Ellinger isn't a transcendent mm -hmm. player. They can be successful pros put in the right systems. But you're really talking about for sure two guys in this draft, Justin Fields, Trevor Lawrence. You can put them in any system in football, and they're going to find a way to make it better. Last thing, why should we believe in Tua Tungvaloa bouncing back? Why wouldn't you? That's the question I keep asking is why wouldn't you? Look at his career. Look, look at everything he's ever done. Don't forget, we're just a few years removed from Tank with Tua. Then look at who the Miami Dolphins were last year. I think it's one of the biggest criminal narratives that's happened in the last few years around quarterbacks is that Tua didn't play well. Tua played very yeah. well considering what he had. They were terrible offensively from a skill position uh, aspect. He's coming off massive injuries. He has no OTAs, no offseason, very complex system. And now they've changed Gordon and they've changed the offensive staff. Like this kid's gone through a lot and he still played pretty efficient ball with what they asked him to do. I, I think with the addition of Charlie Fry as a quarterback coach, who me and you will both know is one of the great coaches, mm -hmm. young coaches in all football, uh, has a relationship with Tua. Uh, I think with what they've redone with their offensive staff and all these picks – you give this guy talent around him. You give him a system system where you can unleash him. And just because he didn't play as well as Burrow and Herbert in year one, I really don't care about year one. And here's the short-sightedness of the NFL narratives. Who cares about year one? None of them won any games anyways. Who can take him to a Super Bowl? And I believe with what Miami has from an ammunition standpoint, from draft capital to the leadership of Flores and the rest of that building – uh, to a process in place with good coaches to bring out the best in Tua. Let's have this conversation in three years and see which one's the best in three years. Hey, man, I appreciate you, Trent. Thanks so much for sharing all that insight. It was great. You got it, Buck. Always fun to be with you. All right, Buck. I mean, look, Trent is, uh, you know, you want to be passionate about what you do. You, you can definitely feel the passion uh, when Trent gets going on QBs. Yeah, he loves the quarterbacks. He loves these guys because he develops a relationship with them at a very early age. And I think his insight um, should be listened to because see those guys in a bunch of different situations and you identify these guys very, very early. And so when we talk about generational talents and those who have these um, special abilities and, and rare qualities, you see them very, very early, particularly in high school. Um I think the conversation that we will have and we will continue to have to me is the guy that is kind of, I guess he's in the group, but I still view him outside of the group. And that's Mac Jones. DJ, I think the conversation that we will have is how much pure talent does he have and how much when you're grading him, are we grading him on the production and the performance within the system or are we grading him on his individual talents and what he will bring to a team? Because I think depending on the prism that you use, your grades are going to differ. And mm -hmm. I think it's important as you project them to a new team that you're able to accurately assess who he is and how he has to be utilized 
to match out what he brings to the table. Yeah, I think in order to know what he is, you need to know who you are. I think that's a that's a great way of looking at that, Buck. I mean, it, it's not going to work for everybody, but it could really work for somebody. So you got to know what you have and, and what you have in place. I also thought this stuff with Tua was fascinating, you know, just in terms of the mm-hmm. lack of support that he had around him. Um, I, I'll, I'll steer clear of analogies. I've done my analogies for the day, uh, but I, w- I did ha- I did have a dancing analogy in there, something about like, hey, if you know the baby's coming, you better get the, the crib set up and have the oh, baby room all ready like, to go. That's a good one. That's see, a is good that better? See, I, I can even see that. See, because you know, you know what I can see? Side. I can yeah. see, I can see um, a graphic of like Tua's face on a yeah. little baby, on a baby's <laughs> body. I can see a bassinet. I can see the trinkets and like the little, little things. Rocker, little, little rocking chair. Little rocker. I can see everything. Nursery set up. Changing got, table. Yeah, you got your changing table, your diaper genie, all that other stuff that yes. you need yeah. when you bring the baby home. Because the dolphins need to make sure they have the accessories to make sure he can be, he can have a, a thriving little 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 childhood. I mean, yeah, I mean, I think I just think the tool is looking around like where are the diapers? What's going on? <laughs> more diapers in where, here. Where's my binky? Where's all my stuff? <laughs> That's the most important part because we talk about it. Oh, the he binky, needs a good binky call. And, yeah. a, and a baby blanket. He needs something yeah. to make him very comfort comfortable. And so we would like to find that in the passing game. Is that the tight end? Is that a playmaker on the outside? Is that a running back behind him? Tua needs a binky. We need to make sure we get him a binky. Ooh, maybe he needs a Jamar Chase lounger. Huh? Oh, huh? Huh? What that little rock and a glider? Put him to sleep. Yeah, and just name it Jamar. Jamar Chase. <laughs> uh, you like that? I hope, uh, Brian, right. I hope Brian Flores knows how to swaddle so he can put him to sleep. I don't know. Tight little swaddle, yeah. put him to sleep. <laughs> I'm just going for the world's record for the weirdest analogies in one podcast. Uh, I'm good. I'll retire on that one. Um, and by the way, Amy Trask, our friend on the social media, whispers to self, didn't have pregnant dog on my Daniel Jeremiah tweet. Bingo card. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't I would put that in bingo either. I would have missed yeah. that one too. Oh, uh, so good, man. Uh, hey, anything else you want to add before we jump out of here, Buck? No, I think it's fascinating, DJ. And we'll talk more about free agency. We have talked about the value of positionless ball. Kyle Juszczyk's deal with yeah. the 49ers, paying a fullback the amount of money that they are paying him, I think it increases the value. And it still shows you how you might need to look for those fullbacks when we're on the road scouting. I'm still – he's never going to get there. But, man, I would love to see if somehow Kyle Pitts got to the 49ers just to add to the uh, versatility and the positionless football that they're going to play. Oh, my gosh, that'd be fun. Uh, a lot of fun. No chance. So no chance he gets there. Um all right, that was a fun one, man. Uh, great to catch up, Buck. And uh, I know we'll be texting offline and see what happens over free agency here over the next couple of days, and we'll wrap it all up on the next episode of the show. But uh, that's going to do it for us today. I want to encourage you guys to check out the uh, the video show we've got. It's going to be uh, uh, digitally. You can find that, NFL.com. That's going to be 5 p.m. Eastern on Thursday. You'll also be able to find it on the network. You'll be able to find it on NFL Network a little later this week. It's a little different schedule uh, with what's going on with free agency. So that will be Thursday night. That'll be 11 p.m. Pacific. So if you're on the West Coast and you're up late, you can find that Thursday uh, there. So be on the lookout for that. And then uh, also Saturday, if you want to get up early there on the East Coast, 7 a.m. Eastern, you'll be able to find the Move the Stick show on uh, NFL Network. So be on the lookout for that. Uh, But that's going to do it for us today. Appreciate you hanging with us. He's Bucky Brooks. I'm Daniel Jeremiah. We'll catch you next time right here on Move the Sticks, presented by Castrol Edge.
you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home.